Have I mentioned that Christmas is really the most wonderful time of the year? Even though there's, I mean, for some reason, by the way, I don't know if anyone knows about this, but there are people that exist that think that Christmas is not the most wonderful season of the year. I know. Um, it's, it's shocking, but uh, it is what it is. You know, we live in a sinful world, and sometimes we have to deal with people like that. But this is the Chaldean Priest Show. If this is your first time listening, please make sure to rate this podcast, subscribe, and leave a comment if you wish. Uh, we talk about some fun things, have a little fun, talk about the Chaldean liturgy, some theology there, a hint of philosophy here, and uh, yeah, why don't we get started? People ask me during this Christmas season, you know, how are you preparing this, that, it's going to be a crazy season, um, and and then there are those smart Alex that like to say, yeah, you know, finally priests get to work for once um, a year and this, that. I mean, that was probably funny like a while ago, but there's no way it could still be funny now. Um, but how do I prepare for Christmas and all of these masses that we have this weekend? Um, I don't know. I just, you know, try to relax. I keep my daily routine, but try to eat healthy, try to avoid getting sick and, you know, uh, preparing for it. But what's interesting about Christmas this year is that, so Christmas Eve is on a Friday, then Christmas is on Saturday, and then we have a regular Sunday Masses on Sunday. So um, we probably won't get a break until Monday because it's not every year that Christmas falls so close to a weekend. So, I mean, it's okay. God provides every time. And every time, I know, I remember talking to uh, my brother priests that are here also. And every time we think that, you know, all of these masses, how are we going to do this? How are we going to possibly survive in confessions before? So on and so forth. But really God does provide. But in any case, I hope you guys are planning accordingly. Please make sure. I mean, look, this is really important. Go to confession. Uh, the catechism teaches that you have to go at least once a year. That's if you don't have a mortal sin. If you have a mortal sin, you need to go right away. But this is a good time to go to confession. Some people go during Easter. Some people go during Christmas. I'm sure the parishes around uh, where you live are offering confessions. Um, if not, let me know, and I'll give your priest a call so you can sit for confessions. Um, but yeah, it should be cool. Um, oh, also make sure you don't commit gluttony. Um, because I know some people go over, you know, different houses of relatives and um, it can be overwhelming with how much food is constantly being stuffed down your throat. But just remember that gluttony is a sin. And I can't wait for something called pacha that you usually see only twice a year in a Chaldean household. You know what? I'm just going to get into this really quick, then we'll get to the theology of the infancy narrative. So what Pacha is, I think, honest, I think it's lamb intestines, if I'm not mistaken, but it, it gets stuffed with uh, chopped meat and rice and uh, basically boiled. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but it is phenomenal. Um, and it probably sounds gross, and I didn't do a good job describing what it is, but it's great. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. If you haven't had it, 
don't eat at a restaurant. Find some Chaldean friends and try to hit yourself, you know, getting invited to their house for Christmas. But okay, anyway. So Christmas time and the Chaldean liturgy. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to build what I'm going to be reading from uh, this Chaldean um, prayer according to the feast of the birth of our Lord with what Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, his infancy narratives and his interpretation of this. And Pope Benedict XVI is one of my favorite biblical scholars. Um, And he does a fantastic job with going through the Lucan and Matthean narratives of um, the infancy of Christ. So this is what the Chaldean liturgy says. And look how poetic it is. The fruit of gladness dawned from Mary's womb. He forgave our sins and erased our debts. He came, searched for us, raised our death to life, and renewed our race that had drowned in sin. So I want to start with this first phrase. Um, it says the fruit of gladness. So this is obviously a direct allusion to the Garden of Eden um, because the imagery of the fruit that was eaten by Adam and Eve was that of disobedience. And now this new fruit that's coming to us through Mary is this fruit of gladness. So there's something obviously really joyful about what's happening here in this divine intervention in Mary's life and obviously uh, throughout salvation history. Um, And this is another reason why people who say that Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year are wrong. Um, But in any case, um, it's true. And what's also happening here is so although we see an illusion with the fruits of Christ and the fruits that Adam and Eve ate of from the tree of knowledge, there's also another comparison that I think um, should be made. It's worthy um, of talking about. And that is the environment that Christ was born in and the historical context of Jesus being born according to St. Luke. And that's how I'm going to draw from the theology of Pope Benedict the 16th, and how he compares what's going on here. So when St. Luke in his gospel, he talks about, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. So we have this census that's happening. And what's happening with the census that um, Ratzinger is talking about is this link between Jesus and Augustus. Because what the census is allowing the Roman emperor to have, and I've spoken about this before, but I want to read a quote from a German uh, biblical scholar. He says this about um, the day of a Roman emperor's birth. And as I'm reading this quote, just keep in mind the birth of Christ, okay? So again, they're talking about the birth of a Roman emperor here. So it says, so this Roman emperor gave the whole world a new aspect. It would have fallen into ruin had not a widespread well-being shone forth through him and one now born, providence, which has ordered all things, filled this man with virtue that he might benefit mankind, sending him as savior. 
both for us and our descendants. The birthday of the God was the beginning of the good tidings that he brought forth for the world. From his birth, a new reckoning, a new reckoning of time must begin. So obviously what's happening here is this Roman emperor is being treated like a god, right? Um, because there was no separation between uh, state and religion, between politics and that of theology. And we're seeing this Roman emperor being treated like a god, you know, um, and he's being treated like this theological figure. And his name, Augustus, in Greek, Sebastos, it means one worthy of adoration. So everything has to do with idolizing someone who is not God. Because what happens when we make an idol out of something or someone that's not God? What we're doing is we're making that thing what we want it to be according to what we think is correct. And this is obviously in contrast of adoring God and worshiping God, like an icon, for example. An icon is what it is, and we're able to sort of take out the beauty that's within an icon rather than treating it and making it something that we think is correct. And now what's happening is when the Chaldean liturgy talks about this fruit of gladness that dawned from Mary's womb, okay, it's this new fruit that's coming, but it's a fruit of gladness. And this fruit of gladness, what's Christ going to do? It says he's going to forgive our sins and he has erased our debts. So what's happening in the census is people going in to register, especially someone like St. Joseph, who's from the line of David, going in to register because he needs to register his goods and his properties and everything else he has, which is sort of opposite of clearing someone out from their debts. And it says, he came, searched for us, raised our death to life, and renewed our race that had drowned in sin. There's a new life that's happening, and it's happening because the good God is coming to search for everyone who is lost, and he searches for them by taking on our humanity through the incarnation. So, so you guys see how this all ties together. It's like a braid. And what's happening during this Christmas season is um, significant because he's taking on our humanity, and we're going to Mass, right? Uh, we're going to be surrounded by CEOs, Catholic Easter only, Catholics, and we're going to go um, celebrate with family, you know, dress up, take pictures, go on social media, post those pictures, whatever, whatever you guys do during the Christmas season. But please don't let it take away from how deep this feast really is you know, and how serious it is and what it took for God to become man, you know, because it, it's not an easy task to take on the form of the sort of lowest grade of being, which are human beings, you know, and obviously, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Lucifer became who he was. It was because he saw that the savior of the world was going to come in the form of man, and that was something that was sort of degrading to the angelic intellect. So 
Um, that is my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, please be safe, and as always, I'll see you next time.